Anybody else feeling a little bit emotional lately? Anybody? Can, can we, anybody agree to that? Okay, like four of you. Todd, thank you so much. Todd, yeah, good, good, good. I feel emotional lately as well. There's just things around me, things that have happened in my life, things that are happening in my kids. When I look at my son and I see him grow, when I look at my daughter and realize that, that she's just growing up so quick, so fast, I'm telling you, it's just one of those things. And I look at you folks that have seniors in high school. I just feel so sorry for you. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, it's just so sad when we look at our kids. They're growing up so much. But just feeling super emotional. And we've been looking at, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the emotions of Jesus. Because Jesus felt emotions, right? He was 100% man when he came to earth, 100% God. And so when he came to earth, he, he felt emotions just like you and I feel. And so, but Jesus was perfect, right? And so if Jesus felt emotions, we can be sure that he handled those emotions the right way. And so Jesus felt emotions. We've been looking at those emotions that Jesus felt. The first week, we discussed grief. And if you guys are just tuning in with us for the first time, if you're online or maybe you're visiting here for the first time and you're just tuning in with us in this particular series, All the Feels, we're just talking about the emotions of Jesus that, that correspond with our emotions. The first week, we talked about grief. And if you guys, if you're dealing with grief in your life right now, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel uh, for Ridgepoint Church. Take a look at the first sermon in the series uh, talking about grief. The second week, uh, we talked about Jesus experiencing anxiety right? No one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about Jesus, but uh, experiencing anxiety. But right before he went to the cross, he experienced what we, would what we would perceive as anxiety. And so we talked about that during the second week. Last week, last week, Michael Stevens did an excellent job, right? Didn't he do a phenomenal job last week? So thankful for Michael and this morning, wow, the, the, the worship team, you guys were on fire this morning. Thank you for, for leading us so well this morning uh, to Jesus and to the throne room. But uh, thank you, Michael. Last week he talked about anger. And listen, he did an excellent job. Uh, remind me to tell you guys a story a little bit later, how God put him in a situation that could have made him very angry right after service. I'll have to tell you guys about that later. Anyway, um, and today I want to talk about sadness. Today, I want to talk about sadness, and I'm going to contrast that to joy, okay? We're going to talk about two things today. We're going to talk about sadness and joy, because if we know what makes Jesus sad, if we know what makes Jesus sad, we can discover what brings him true joy. Who needs joy in their life today? Anybody? Anybody need joy today? Today, I want to contrast those two emotions, sadness and joy, the sadness and the joy of Jesus Christ. There's so many things that brought Jesus joy while he was on earth. So many things brought Jesus joy. Whenever the hurting were healed, Jesus was joyful. Whenever those that were struggling were healed, that brought Jesus joy. Whenever the rejected, those outcasts, those that were outside of the city, those that were outside of the norm, those who were outside of the social circles, whenever those folks were accepted, and loved on, that made Jesus full of joy. Whenever sinners were forgiven, he rejoiced with the angels in heaven. And he was full of joy. But occasionally, occasionally, Jesus was sad as well. Occasionally he was sad. But if we know what made him sad, if we know what made Jesus sad, we can learn what brings him joy. And let's look at what Luke chapter 19 says. 
Luke chapter 19, verse 41 says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to weep. I want to tell you guys, I want to throw a little promo out there really quick. If you're watching online or you're here with us right now, you don't have your Bibles with you. If you have the Bible app on your phone, click on there, go to settings, look for events, and find Ridgepoint Church because we have a little page on there under events. And you can see every all the notes that I put in. I do this every week. All the notes that we put in, they're right there. So you guys can follow along in the Bible app if you want to. Why did Jesus weep? The scripture says that he weeped. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. What in the world would make Jesus weep? Why would he be sad? Why would he cry? Jesus, we have to remember why Jesus came to earth to begin with. If we're going to understand what made him weep in this moment, we have to understand why he came to begin with. Jesus came to bring life. Jesus came to bring life and to bring life more abundantly. He came to seek and save lost people. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come for the righteous folks. He didn't come for the perfect. He came for those that that were sinners. He came for for the broken and the outcasts and the unlovable. Jesus came to proclaim the good news to the poor. Like Jesus came to bring sight to the blind. He came to set the captives free. Amen? Jesus came to bring us freedom. But not just any freedom. Freedom that only He could bring. Jesus came. He came to set us free. He he didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Jesus came to show us the love of the Father. Amen? He came to show us the love of the Father. So what made Jesus weep? What made Him sad? When He looked over Jerusalem. When Jesus looked over Jerusalem, what He saw absolutely wrecked Him. When Jesus looked over Jerusalem, what He saw absolutely wrecked Him. Let's pick up in Matthew 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather you or your children together as hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. What makes Jesus weep? What makes him sad? Was was Jesus crying because uh, Jerusalem was killing all the prophets? That's a pretty good reason, but that wasn't it. Was he, was he weeping because they were stoning God's messengers? Again, that's a really good reason. But that's not what made Jesus sad. Why was Jesus so sad? Let's read that scripture again. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Guys, Listen, it's powerful. How often I have wanted to bring you close to me, Jesus would say. How often I have wanted to bring you close to my side, but you wouldn't let me. You resisted me. How often I have wanted to comfort you. How often I have wanted to protect you and to heal you. How often I have wanted to love you and be with you, but you wouldn't let me. How often I have wanted to bring you close to show you how much I care for you. But you resisted me. It makes me sad because I wanted to love you. But you wouldn't let me. What makes Jesus sad? 
when he wants to love you, when he wants to protect you, when he wants to heal you, when he wants to be near you, but you resist him. That makes Jesus sad. That's all there is to it. That, that makes Jesus sad. When we reject him, when we resist his love, we resist him. That makes him sad. But if we know what makes him sad, if we know what makes him weep, we can understand what brings him joy. Luke chapter 15, Jesus starts sharing a story. Man, Jesus was the best storyteller, amen? Like Jesus was a phenomenal storyteller. He could tell a story like nobody's business, but he tells a story uh, in, 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 in chapter 15. And he's speaking in a parable. And a parable is basically an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, okay? Earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And so as the great storyteller was telling this earthly story, the depiction of this story, what he's trying to describe uh, uh, is, is a picture of God the Father and how God the Father interacts and reacts to you and me, his children. Okay, So when we read this, we're reading this story or we're thinking about this story that Jesus is telling and it has earthly things going on, but it's a depiction of God the Father in heaven. So Jesus is telling this story about the father that had two sons. He tells the story about the father that has two sons. The younger one comes to his dad one day and he says, peace out. I'm done. I've had enough. I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't want to be around you anymore. I've had enough of your rules. I've had enough of your restrictions. I'm done with everyone around here. I don't want to deal with your consequences anymore. I want out. Peace out. I'm done. That's what, that's what this younger son says. He says, I'm done with you. And I imagine this wasn't a quick decision for the young man. I imagine he'd been dealing with this for a really long time, and he'd been dealing with the thoughts of leaving the father and leaving the family. He must have thought this through for a pretty good while because in this particular culture, in this time, when you tell your father that you're done with him and you want your inheritance and that's what the kid says, he basically says, just give me what's owed to me. Give me my inheritance. Give it to me now. I don't want to wait until you're dead. As a matter of fact, I would rather you be dead. But since you're not going to die anytime soon, give me what's owed to me. I'm out. Peace out. That's what he says. And I imagine he's thought about this for a while because can you imagine how in today's time that's disrespectful? But in this culture, in this particular time, when you want your inheritance before your, your father has passed away, man, that's super disrespectful. The son's basically telling the father, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. I'm tired of you and I just want to move on with my life without you in it. So give me what's owed to me. Give it to me. And I have to ask this question. Have you, have you guys been there before? Maybe not to that degree, but have you been there before? Have you dealt with teenagers? Maybe you have teenagers right now, and they're like, listen, I know more than you. I'm done with you. Right? Anybody else? Amen. <laughs> they know more than you. Many of you have raised teenagers. Some of you even have teenagers right now. Uh, there are ever times in your life when, when, when they just came to you and were like, I know better than you. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. As a matter of fact, all of us that are in here that are over our teenage years at this point, I'm almost certain that all of us at some point said, I know better than my mom and dad. I know better than my aunt or uncle, my grandparents, whoever is raising me. I know better than them. Just let them talk. I'm going to do whatever I want to do anyway, right? <laughs> That's what happens. Parenting is difficult sometimes. 
Listen, my one-and-a-half-year-old right now, Elena, I'm already praying when she gets to her teenage years. It's going to be tough, and I know it is. She's tough already. My wife's back there amening, clapping hands and all that. But, but this young son, this son, he'd had enough. He was done. He was finished. He was ready to get out of the house, away from the rules. He was no doubt tired of dealing with the consequences of his actions. And he just told his dad, give me what's owed to me. I'm done. Give it to me. I want out. What's interesting, what's crazy interesting in this story is that the father says, okay. Okay. If that's what you want. Now, how many parents have been in a situation where you have to tell your kids, all right, if that's what you want, unfortunately, you're going to have to learn the hard way. Nobody wants to be there, right? No parent wants to tell their kid, I guess you're just going to have to learn the hard way. But it's just interesting because the father just says, okay. And I imagine, as because I'm a father, I imagine how difficult that must have been for that dad. How difficult it must have been, how hurtful it must have been for that dad to give his son up and say, okay, you're going to have to learn on your own. I imagine how hurtful that was for the father. But as the story goes, the kid got the money. The dad gave him what was owed to him and the inheritance. And the kid leaves the house. The younger son leaves the house. And this kid's loaded now. He's got tons of money. You know what he does? He goes out and he spends it. He spends all that money. He, he spends it on drugs. He spends it on sex. He spends it on women. He's got plenty of money and there's nothing stopping him now. He gets all these new friends that were hanging out with him because he got a lot of money, Josh. That's what happens when you get a little money in your pocket. you got some new friends that show up. That's just the way it is, right? And so he's got all this money. He's out there spending it. He's doing all these things. Uh, new friends going through this money left and right. He had no restraints whatsoever. This is what he's been wanting all of his life, right? He's always wanted to have ultimate freedom from his dad. Like, I don't want to deal with the consequences. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do all this stuff that he never wanted me to do in the past, right? Because the dad has some of these rules. And the son's looking at the dad thinking, you got all these rules that always want to make me not have fun, right? I want to have fun. I don't want to worry about rules. But the dad, what the son doesn't understand is that the dad put the rules in place for his benefit. That's what happens, right? The dad put the rules in place because he knows what's best for the son. The son just didn't know that yet. You can see what's going to happen in this story, right? Many of you have read this story before. Some of you may not have, but you can see where this is going. At some point, the boy loses it all. At some point, he literally went through his entire inheritance. It's gone. It's gone. Can you imagine just being, I mean, just think about it. Maybe it was a few thousand dollars. Maybe it was, you know, hundreds of thousands. I don't know how much it was, but he went through it all. It's gone. It's just all gone. How many of you get your tax return back if you get a tax return? And you go through it all and you're just wondering where it all went. I just imagine at some point this kid was just sitting there thinking, where did it all go? Where did all that money go? Where did it all go? He was gone. He'd run through it all. Had nothing left. His friends had left him because, let's face it, his friends were only around him because he had money. Those new friends... At some point, man, he just, he was done. He, he, he didn't have anything. He was left with absolutely nothing. It got so bad. Listen, listen, it got so bad for him that he saw a farmer one day. He saw a farmer and he said to the farmer, just give me some, give me some work. Will you just give me some work? Because I'm hungry. 
I'm so hungry right now and I have nothing to eat and I have no way to buy anything to eat. Will you just give me a job? And the farmer said, yeah, I'll give you a job. You can feed my pigs. You can feed my pigs. And listen, here's how bad it got. It got so bad that as he was feeding the pigs, he looked at the slop that the pigs were eating and he actually thought it would be a good idea to eat that slop. He was so hungry. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my papa used to feed the pigs slop, and I saw that stuff. Nobody wants to eat that. Nobody wants to eat slop. But just think about it for a moment. This guy had, had everything he ever wanted while he was with his father. But he took it all, and he left. And he finds himself in this situation where he has nothing, and he sees pigs rolling around in the mud eating slop, and he actually thinks it would be a good idea to eat that slop. Man, that's, that's tough. No one, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm, I'm almost certain, this is not what the kid planned. This, this guy didn't plan things to turn out this way. Do you think so? He, he didn't plan to hit rock bottom after he took his inheritance. If I put myself in his shoes just for a moment, when he wanted out of his father's house, he didn't plan to waste all of his money. He didn't plan that. He didn't, he didn't plan to find himself in a pig pen ready to eat slop from the pigs. That's not what he planned. When all this started, what he wanted, he, it felt very, very good to him. I just want some freedom from my father. I just want to get out and do whatever I want to do without any consequences. I just want to do those things. And so when this all began, he didn't really have terrible intentions. He didn't intend for this to happen. He didn't intend for it to go this far. He had a plan. But just like in many other things in life, life happens. Things don't go the way that we plan them to go. Have you guys been there? When you set out and you have a plan, you, you, you have a plan, you start working that plan. Maybe it's not as crazy as this, guys, but you just start working that plan and just things just start happening. And then your plans just get shattered. Now let's take it a step further. Maybe, just maybe, have you drifted so far? Have you drifted so far away from what you know to be the thing that you wanted the most? Have you drifted so far that, that life no longer looks the same? That you're not on track, but your relationship with God has suffered so much? Have you drifted so far that you feel like God is a million miles away? Seriously. You had a plan. You started working that plan. Things went crazy and now your relationship with God has suffered and you feel like God's a million miles away this young man he he made mistake after mistake after mistake and he found himself lost he found himself lost and completely destroyed nothing to look forward to and it seemed like there was no way out somebody here today you're watching online you can relate to that you've found yourself drifting so far that you feel like there's no way out. He was left with only the consequences of his actions. That's a dark place. That's a very dark place to be. 2020 was hard. 2021 hasn't really started off so well, has it? It's been tough. Emotions are running high. It's easy for us to drift. It's real easy for us to drift. It's really easy for us to just say, I don't feel like going to church today. I'm just going to watch online. 
No offense to those that are watching online. It's really easy to get up in the morning and say, I just don't feel like it. I don't want to see people today. I just don't want to go. I'll just wait. And as a matter of fact, I don't even like to wear masks. I don't even know why they're wearing masks anyway. I don't even like to wear masks, so I'm just not going to go. I'll wait until they stop having to wear masks. Decision after decision, before you know it. Before you know it, you're drifting so far from God, and you don't even remember, you, you don't even remember how you got there. Like you start looking back, and emotions are so high, and things are so crazy, you don't even remember how you got there. Like what was the first decision that you made to start this path? That you're on. What's even worse is that you feel like you don't even know how to get back. That's how this young man was feeling. That's how he was feeling. He, he felt lost. He was in a pig's pen wondering if the pig's food was going to be good enough for him. That's where he was. But then we read verse 17. Guys, this is a powerful moment. This is a turning point in this story. Verse 17 says this. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Check this out. He realized that life is better with his father. He realized that life is better with his father. He knew that he had messed up. He knew that he had hurt his father beyond belief. He knew the things that he had done that had hurt his father. He thought that maybe his relationship with the father could never be fixed. Like that's what he thought in his head. Like it's probably never going to happen that I'm ever going to have a relationship with my father again. But if at least I can go back and, and, and be a hired servant for my father. If he treats me like a servant... At least I'll have food to eat because things are always better with my father. Amen. Guys, he thought that maybe things would never be the same again. But he didn't stop there. The Bible says he came to his senses. Some of you need to come to your senses today. Some of you need to come to your senses and realize that life is always better with the father. Some of us need to come to our senses. Some of us, we know we screwed up. We know we made bad decisions. You know you did. You know you made terrible decisions. You know that you made things far worse for yourself. And so did the boy. So did the son. He knew that he had made mistakes. But the boy came to his senses and realized it was so much better with the father. Verse 20 says, so he got up and he went to his father. Number one, point one, really quickly. Point one, take one step toward the father. Take one step toward the father. It starts with taking one step. One simple step. The boy knew that he had messed up. He knew that he had hit rock bottom. But he came to his senses and decided to take a step toward the father. Have you done things that you're ashamed of? Have you done some things? Have you lied? Have you lusted? Have you done some things or hurt someone? Have you lied to someone? Have you lost intimacy with the Father? Do you feel dirty and unworthy today? 
Like, be real with yourself. Do you feel unlovable today? Then I'm going to tell you this. Get up and take a step toward the Father. Get up and take a step toward the Father. It starts with just one step. Verse 20 says this. He goes on to say, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. That's an amazing picture, isn't it? Isn't that an amazing story to read? Isn't that amazing? Remember what I said? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The way that the Father is treating the Son in this story is the way that the Father in heaven treats you and I. This is an amazing story. The Son had his apology ready. He was ready to come before the Father and say, Dad, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I've made terrible mistakes. I'm so sorry that I did this. I'm so sorry that I asked for my inheritance. I'm so sorry that I disobeyed you. I'm a loser. I don't deserve anything. Just give me a job working out in the fields with your hired servants. Like he had his apology ready. It was ready to go. Just give me a job working as a hired servant. But the father does so much more than that. The father does so much more than that. The son had no idea how much the father loved him. He had no idea. Guys, in this culture, I want to throw this in real quick. In this culture, it was unheard of for a grown man to run. Like that didn't happen. It just didn't happen at all. In their culture, it was considered undignified for a man to run. But the father loved his son so much that he couldn't wait to see him. So when he was still a long way off, he runs to the son and embraces him. That's huge. It's huge. The father goes to tell the servants. He goes on to say, bring me the fattest calf that we have and kill it. Put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet. I'm no longer sad. Because this son of mine is not dead, he's alive. This son of mine is not dead, he has come home. When his son took a step toward the father, the father experienced joy. You want to bring joy to God today? Take a step toward the father. Take a step toward the father. How do you experience joy with Jesus? Take a step toward the father. The second point is this. You enjoy a relationship instead of just following the rules. Enjoy a relationship instead of just following the rules. I'm going to invite the worship uh, folks to come up. I want you to remember the story just for a moment. Remember what's happening in this story. The father had two sons. I haven't talked about the older son yet. But the father had two sons. The older brother, he heard all that was going on. He found out what was happening and guys, just like Michael preached last week, he got angry. Like he heard what was going on and this guy got angry. He was so mad about this. He was so angry because he's the good son. He's the good son. And his father never celebrated him like that. Can you just see it happening? Can you see it like um, many of you watch TV? Can you just see a story going on uh, on the TV like this? This son got so angry when he heard the commotion of what was going on outside. He got so angry because he considered himself the good son. I didn't go out. I didn't demand my inheritance. I stayed here at the house. I followed all the rules. I did all the things that you told me I was supposed to do. You didn't throw a big party for me. 
Like, that's what the older son was saying. Like, what is going on? His brother squandered all of his money. He disobeyed the rules. He hurt the father deeply. He hurt the father. And now they're having a party for him? What's that about? Like, why would you do that? I'm so upset. I'm so angry that this is happening. And you know what the father does to the, to the good son? The rule-following son? You know what he does to the good son? He goes out to him as well. The Bible says that he goes out and he pleads with the older son. Son, come in and celebrate with us. This, this brother of yours was dead and now he's alive. Come on in and celebrate with us. I'm sure there was some sibling rivalry going on. Many of you that have brothers and sisters, you know what I mean. Like You can't believe that, that your parents are going are gonna to justify this. You can't believe that your parents are just going to just say, okay, come on back. Like, shouldn't there be consequences? Surely you shouldn't celebrate. There's some sibling rivalry going on here because the response that this brother had is not what the father expected. It's not what he expected. You have one son that left home and didn't want anything to do with his father. But he repented and he came back. And you have another son who was physically home, but I wonder how distant his heart had grown away from his father. I wonder how distant that his heart was from his father. He, did, he didn't care about his brother. He didn't care that his brother was alive. He didn't share the same feelings as his father. His father was really excited. But the older brother, he didn't share those feelings. He was angry. So it tells me this. It tells me that the brother, the older brother had a heart problem. The older brother, there was something wrong. Something wrong with his heart. One son was physically distancing himself from the father while the other good son was emotionally distancing himself from the father. That's what was happening. It's easy, it's easy for us, you and I, it's easy for us to look at the younger brother. It's easy for us to look at the younger brother and see his flaws, isn't it? It's easy to point out his flaws and see all the problems. He's the bad brother. Look at him over there. He called himself a Christian. Look at what he's doing now. Guys, if we're vulnerable today, if we're vulnerable for just a moment, can we relate to the older brother as well? Can we, we just relate to him? I mean, you come to church every week faithfully, right? You watch online. You come to church faithfully. You read your Bible. You pray. You follow all the rules. But are you truly enjoying a relationship with God the Father? Or are you simply following the rules? Checking off the checklist. I prayed today. Read my Bible today. Went to church today. You need to enjoy a relationship with God, not just follow the rules. Because listen, it's not about the rules. It's never been about the rules with Jesus. It's not about the rules. Rules are good. Rules are there for us to help us. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying do away with the rules. God puts rules in place so that you and I will be safe, healthy, and happy. So He put rules there for a reason. But it's never been about the rules with Jesus. It's always been about the relationship with Jesus. Guys, it's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand today. The Father loved the rebellious Son, but He loved the rule-following Son as well. He loved both of them. 
The father's talking to the older son in verse 31 when he says, my son. The father said, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. <laughs> the older son's over here throwing a pity party. Like, why is the father treating me like this? Why haven't you celebrated me, Father? Why haven't you done the good things for me? Why haven't you killed the fatted calf for me? Why haven't you given me the ring and put new sandals on my feet? I've been working so hard for you. <laughs> and the Father's saying, Son, everything I have is yours already. Like it's already yours. You, you severely underestimate your value to me. You underestimate who you are. You are my son. Everything I have is yours. And so today I'm telling you, You've been coming to church every week. You've been following the rules. You've been praying. You've been reading your Bible. I'm telling you, God is telling you today, everything He has is yours. Everything. We're, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Verse 31 says, But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is now alive again. He is lost or was lost. And is found. I think so many people look at following Jesus as a set of rules that we have to follow. Folks, we're missing the point. We are missing the point. I don't want any of us to end up like the older brother saying, I follow the rules, I'm checking the boxes. Why don't I get what he's getting? Why don't you answer my prayer, God? I've been doing everything you asked me. Why don't you answer my prayer? Why don't you give me the party like you gave him? Listen, when you have a true relationship with him, it don't matter about anything else. Nothing else in this world compares to a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else. It don't matter about the party. It don't matter about the worldly goods. It don't matter about the cars and the houses and the money in the bank or the 401k. None of that compares to having a relationship with the Father. None of it. None of it compares. When you have a relationship with the Father, you will experience joy. Joy. They celebrated, folks. The son was dead, and, and now he's alive again. He's lost, and now he's found. At, at Ridgepoint Church, one of our values is we celebrate. We celebrate God's big story, and we celebrate all the other little stories that he's writing. As long as there's breath in your lungs, he's still writing your story. He's not finished with you yet. None of you. He's not finished with you yet. He loves you so much. And His love is perfect. There's nothing that you can ever do to make Him love you any less. Nothing. He loves you with His perfect love. Listen, it doesn't matter why you left. It doesn't matter where you went. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't even matter what you have become. God is inviting you to come home. Just like, just like the son that had squandered all that the father had given him. It didn't matter where he went. It didn't matter what he did. It didn't matter who he had become. The father is still calling him to come home. That's your invitation today. 
I don't care where you are, what you've done. I don't care where this journey has taken you. I don't care how ashamed that you feel today. I don't even care if you have alcohol on your breath or drugs in your system today. I don't care about any of those things. The Father is still calling you to come home right now. Right now. Your doubts, your fears, your hang-ups, your sin. He'll deal with all of that later, Josh. Right now, he's calling you to come home, just like he did the younger son. What makes Jesus cry? Jesus weeps when we're separated from the Heavenly Father because he wants to love us. He wants to cherish us. He wants to give us gifts from heaven. What makes him sad? When we reject him. What makes him sad? When we're separated from the Father. Do you want to know what stops those tears? Stops that weeping? When you come home. It's time to come home. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. And thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time that you have given us. Thank you for this story that you told about your love. About the love of God. The love of the Father. The love of the one that, 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 that takes away all the things of this world. Replaces it with His love. God, thank you so much that you told us this story. Of how it doesn't matter what we've done, where we are. Just come home. Just come home. We can deal with all the other stuff as we go. Thank you, Jesus. God, you came. You didn't just stand up in heaven and say, I hope you guys are doing okay. I love you. No, no, you you stepped out of heaven. You stepped into our time. You stepped into this moment. You stepped into our reality. And you put on flesh and blood for us. And you took it to the ultimate step. You paid the ultimate price when you gave your life on the cross. When your blood was shed and your life was taken from you. For my sins. For my wandering. For my few moments of experiencing all the things this world has to offer. God, you gave it all for me. You knew what I was going to do. You knew what my life would become. You knew my sins. You knew the bad decisions that I was going to make. And you loved me anyway. Help me understand that today, God. And help us understand that today, God. Everyone that's listening today, God, online and in this room, help us understand that you love us in spite of us. Help us to understand that today, God. And let's take it a step further today. Help us to fall out to these things. Help us to put down all the worries of this world. Help us to put down the things that we're addicted to. Help us to put down the toxic relationships. Help us to put down the things that we're struggling with in this world and fall down in front of you today. Help us take a step toward you. Help us experience a relationship instead of just following the rules. And today we're going to celebrate because lives are being changed. Hearts are being changed in this room today and people that are listening online you're doing it God because you can do anything we love you Jesus and we thank you so much 
in your name we pray, amen. Folks, the altar is open. This is your first time here today, your first time in a long time. We use this area to just bow down and praise and worship God and just ask Him to forgive us. Whatever you want to do, you can meet with Him here, but it doesn't have to be here. It can be at your seat. You can grab someone's hand, ask them to pray with you. You can hit that prayer button online right now, and someone will come into a private chat room, and they'll pray with you if you're on Facebook. Send us a private message. Someone's going to pray with you today. Whatever it is, let's take a step toward Jesus today.